Hello, Dan Alasso with History for Today here. And today I've got another installment in my series on note-taking and research and writing. And in this one, I'd like to talk about highlighting. Now, highlighting is something that most of us have been doing probably for so long that it seems obvious and like there's nothing that I could possibly say about it. However, you may notice a bit of a difference between the way we've been taught to interact with text and the suggestions that I'm going to make here. These suggestions mostly resolve around a slight redefinition of our relationship with texts. Although some texts you may read may be pillars of their disciplines, or even of the wider community or of our culture, in the practice that we are learning here, the point is not so much appreciation as gathering information. We are not reading these texts simply to experience their greatness, but to learn something often something quite specific that answers a particular question that we have. So while everybody is welcome to maintain an attitude of reverence toward a particular text or to great writing in general, you may want to tone down that emotion a bit when you approach texts to learn from them, especially if that feeling of reverence makes you less able to read them with a critical eye. The first stage in this process of learning from texts is highlighting if you own the text and highlights generally look like this sometimes with little notes written in the margins other ways of highlighting would include underlining with a pencil or pen with or without a ruler but if you don't happen to own the text then having little removable tags like this that you can stick on the books is very useful as well this process is duplicated in digital forms of course in pdf and ebook texts where there's usually both a highlight and a comment function available to you. You're probably already familiar with these and already have a way that you like to highlight and comment. A couple of things that I would like to add here though are first, don't cover entire pages with yellow unless there's a really, really good reason. Try to find the main idea of a point that you wanna capture and then highlight only it. And then secondly, Capture more points than you think you may actually want to use. These suggestions may seem to contradict each other, but they really don't. The first one is about capturing the gist of what you're looking at. The second one is about finding all of the data that you can, whether or not you see immediately how it is going to be useful. Of course, the question that you bring to a text and have in mind will influence how much you'll include that may seem extraneous at the moment. If you're looking for an answer to a specific question, you may be able to stop reading as soon as you're satisfied that you've found the answer. If the question is vaguer, you may need to cast your net wider and then evaluate what you found later on. This is a multi-step process. Once you've read and highlighted, go back and review the highlighted passages. Rather than just copying a quotation of what the author said, try to summarize it in your own words. This is the stage where you begin to paraphrase rather than to quote. Unless, again, there's a really compelling reason to quote. Paraphrasing actually is how you demonstrate, first to yourself at this point, that you got the author's point. You'll find that it's also the beginning of your response. What you write down and how you describe it will help you to determine your interpretation of the author's point. It's the beginning of a conversation between you, the reader, and the text's author, 
and then the ultimate reader that you'll be writing for. Your highlights and your reading notes should explore both the facts in the text, things like who did what, when, where, how, and if indicated why, and then what that information might suggest. But don't be too surprised if facts and interpretations are sometimes hard to distinguish from each other. We understand pretty intuitively that in fiction, everything you find serves the author's theme. But even in nonfiction, the information presented, and especially the way that it's presented, also serves the author's intention. Even in a seemingly objective piece of historical narrative or journalism, there was a nearly infinite amount of data that the author could have chosen. The things that authors choose to tell you are always carefully selected to contribute to the story that they want to tell and to the interpretation that they want to sell to you. Oftentimes, reading and highlighting and taking notes are preparations for class discussions. And these will go much more smoothly and be much more productive of potential insights if you have already read the assignment and have begun that dialogue with the text before you come into the class. If you've highlighted or underlined interesting passages and written questions and comments in the margins of your book, and if you've then summarized your thoughts about the reading in your own words, you'll be coming to class as an active member of an exploratory party and not as just a passive fellow traveler. And this will help prevent the discussion leader or your classmates from having to give you yet another lecture. And it will improve your understanding of the material and probably also your participation grade. And there's another reason why we discuss readings and course content in groups rather than each of us pondering it on our own. Just as your highlights won't be identical to the person sitting next to you, interpretations and opinions will also vary. We all may be looking for the quote-unquote truth of our subject, but usually these truths are personal. As Franz Kafka noted in his diary, one person cannot express the truth, but a host of perspectives might come close to this goal. The flip side of following what interests you is that you're probably also passing by some clues that might be valuable, and other people with other interests may be picking them up. So the value of discussion is that a variety of slightly different interests and points of views will allow your classmates to see things you didn't, and your particular interest and perspective will do the same. But only if you and they have all done the work of thinking about it which means highlighting and writing it down ahead of time. So what should you highlight when you're preparing to take notes on a reading? Begin with anything at all that you're not sure about, that you don't understand, or that you would like to have explained. Start with basic questions that clarify facts, and then move on to interpretations. Compare the reading with the questions for which you were seeking answers, and with other things that you've read or with lecture notes or notes from previous discussions. Try to discern the author's point of view and interpretation of the content. Add questions and observations that reflect your own interests and concerns. They're usually the issues that lead to good discussions and also to the types of essays that readers will find interesting. Here are some potential questions divided between fiction and nonfiction. Use whichever fits. For fiction, or mostly for fiction. First, if it's a narrative, who is telling the story? 
is the narrator reliable, unreliable, biased? Recognizing the narrator's point of view will help you to evaluate the quote-unquote facts of the story. Secondly, what is the setting and tone? What are you allowed to see, hear, taste, touch, smell, and feel, both physically and emotionally? Is there a sense of comedy, tragedy, irony? Next, who are the major and minor characters? What are their concerns? What motivates them? With whom are you supposed to identify? Moving on, what kind of language is being used? What level of diction? And what might that indicate? Next, how is the plot structured? How are the issues and problems organized? Are there challenges and responses? Is there a recognizable archetype, such as the hero's journey, or classical tragedy, or a voyage of discovery, or rags to riches, that sort of thing? Next, what images and motifs recur? What kinds of terms, images, patterns are repeated? Can you recognize metaphors? And if so, to what do you think they might point? Finally, how does it end? What is resolved? What isn't resolved? What's the significance of the ending? And why do you think it ends where it does? And now for nonfiction, mostly. Who is the author? What is the author's background? Is the author qualified, do you think, to be an authority on the material in the piece? Next, who is or was the original audience for the text? How does the author feel about that audience? Are they allies, opponents, neutral readers that the author is trying to convince of something? Third, what is the author's intention? Is the piece explanatory, polemical, celebratory? Why was it written? And then finally, how is the argument structured? Does the author appeal to logic or emotion? And what type of argument does the author use? Finally, because the authors of nonfiction use many of the same literary tools as fiction writers, it probably makes sense to ask yourself the fiction questions as well when you're reading a nonfiction text. So next time I'll talk more about what to do with the observations that you make asking these questions of the readings and how you turn those into reading notes. But that's all for now. So I hope people found that a little bit interesting. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you again next time.